Hello, everybody, and welcome to Student Section, uh, your home for all things SEC football. I'm your host, Jack Duffy. I am a football beat writer at the Red and Black, the student newspaper at the University of Georgia. I am joined, as always, by our resident Florida writer, Michael Hall. This week, he's a little bit more upset. We'll get into that later. Uh, but yeah, Michael, Michael is back with us. Uh, and this week, we're joined by none other than Hunter Shelton who is the sports editor at the uh, Kentucky Colonel and another one of our fantastic student media poll voters, uh, which is just a great project. Like we've always said, uh, this podcast is presented by the College Football Student Media Poll, a group of 100 plus student journalists ranking the top 25 each week. We have a new poll out. Go check it out. But yeah, Hunter, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us what you're all about. Well, uh, thank you guys for having me. I, I do appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm uh, born and raised in Lexington. Uh, I'm not a Kentucky fan myself, actually. Uh, I am an Auburn fan. Um, you know, a little bit of backstory to that. Um, my dad went to Louisville. Mom went to Indiana. I was born in Lexington, so I was never really going to be raised to be a UK fan. So I kind of got to pick my own route with that. Uh, so I, I do uh, bleed orange and blue. Uh, unfortunately for you, Jack, although I don't think that's going to be an issue this weekend, but I do cover Kentucky sports. Uh, so I've had a pretty good season so far with the Colonel. Um, you know, we've had a lot of good coverage. We, we had some really good stuff this past weekend, obviously with getting our uh, big win against Florida. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, glad to be here. Yeah, definitely. We're glad to have you. Uh, it's a little bit unfortunate that you are an Auburn fan. You know, we'll, 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 shave off that bad blood for for another time obviously this week is, is a big matchup UGA and Auburn don't think it's going to matter too much this week unfortunately I don't know man we'll get into it but you know Jordan Hare is is a crazy place to play an odd year uh Auburn magic is real so uh we'll dive a little bit more into it Michael how you feeling this week man how you feeling you know what I mean I'm feeling I, I'm feeling that's how <laughs> I'm, I'm just feeling I, I still have feelings which is good um obviously Florida lost to Kentucky 20 to 13 which we'll get into so that was a bummer um just from a writer perspective I was kind of hoping to like maybe cover an SEC championship um I don't think that would happen anyway with how Georgia looked earlier in the day regardless but those hopes are gone um and then, you know, the whole Urban Meyer saga, which we're not an NFL podcast, so I won't get into that. But, but he that is an like, avid Jacksonville Jaguars fan. <laughs> yes. So that just ruined the rest of the weekend. Um, but, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing okay, I'd say. I think um, we'll obviously get into the Florida game a little more. Um, I don't know when we want to do that. But Georgia looked great. That was probably my main takeaway. Like that defense, I'm sure you're doing great. I, yeah, listen, and we can just dive right into to some week five recap here. Uh, Georgia, Arkansas, as you mentioned, like I was hesitant. I've been hesitant all year to rank Georgia number one in my student media poll. Uh, and this past week, I finally pulled the trigger. I, I haven't seen a more dominant defense in college football in a very long time. And I'm going to pose a question to both of you, you guys to start. So Georgia's number one in scoring defense this year. How many points per game do you guys believe on average they allow a game so far this season? Either one. Oh, Michael, you take that first. Let's see. Five games. I'm trying to think. Three. Man, six. 
like it's i don't think it's more than 10 right yeah that's i, I was gonna say maybe 10 because that's back-to-back shutouts now i'm not yeah, sure they only allowed three against clemson yeah and what so. uab maybe scored a touchdown uab scored a touchdown the georgia defense and this includes a uab pick six in this number so it's not even really like seven points of this isn't even on the defense the georgia defense is averaging uh 4.6 points per game allowed 4.6 is that the lowest of all time i don't know I, I, I don't know historically close right yeah i don't know historically how good that is through five games but for reference the next closest team number two in scoring defense is iowa who is a top three team right now with 11.6 points per game allowed so it's a whole like seven points more um whole touchdown more so that's just a reference on how good this uga defense has been playing through five games um so really quickly according to sportsreference.com the lowest average points per game in a season was 1938 duke and 1937 villanova both allowed 0.8 points per game so georgia has to step up i mean they're they're, a big 12 defense at this point they're falling behind they're falling behind so yeah like but I have just never seen such a dominant defense against SEC opponents at this rate. Like it's been, and I covered the game against Arkansas and I was nervous going into it. I'm going to be honest. They were the hottest team in the SEC. Like I wasn't sure because Stetson was going to be starting. Georgia just played some really good complimentary football and and Hunter, we'll we'll throw it to you first. What did you think of Georgia's uh, performance against Arkansas? Perfect. I mean, is there anything else you could say to describe it? Like, obviously, like I, I personally didn't think Arkansas was going to. I mean, I thought they were going to be able to score the ball a little bit, keep it a little closer than that. But, you know, coming off of that A&M game, they seem pretty, you know, they were beat up. KJ Jefferson was a little beat up. So, I, you know, going into Athens, I didn't think they were going to be able to, you know, pull off an upset or anything. I definitely thought they were going to at least score a touchdown or a field goal. Um, but like you said, I think it does solidify them as the best team in the country. You know, how you want to rank it, you can rank it, you know, a couple different ways if you want to keep Alabama there because they certainly didn't do anything to lose that spot. But, it, you know, you, you can't deny Georgia anymore. And, you know, it's got to be at this point. If not this year with Kirby Smart, you know, when, when's it going to happen? Exactly, exactly. And, and Michael, I, I want to hear your thoughts. I mean, uh, Georgia, even with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, it didn't matter on offense uh, anywhere. Like, what do you think of Georgia's performance this past weekend? Like you said, it didn't matter what they did on offense. I could have started at quarterback and they still would have won. Like Stetson Bennett threw 11 passes for 72 yards. He completed seven of them. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have to do anything. Um, the offense itself, like, I mean, they ran the ball pretty well, 273 yards of total rushing yards. It didn't matter. They could have not played offense and they still would have won this game. That defense is that good. Um, and if they're able to just completely shut down an offense like Arkansas, who, like you guys said, was one of the hottest teams in the country coming into Athens. I'm really excited to see, um, hopefully see them play Bama in the SEC championship and see what they do to that offense. It'll be really interesting to see a few weeks when they play in Jacksonville against the Gators um, but I don't see a way this defense loses games with how well they're playing. I still ranked Bama one just because obviously they showed out against Ole Miss. 
which we'll get into in a bit. Um, but I was really, really close to putting Georgia ahead of them. It was just dominant is the best word to describe it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I mean, we can shift gears toward now towards Bama, Georgia, because like you said, it feels like we're just heading for this collision course between the two best teams in the nation. And we might even see it twice. We might see it at SEC championship and in the playoff for a national championship, possibly. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but right. Like I, I think this Bama team, like I said, I ranked Georgia number one. You said like, uh, Michael, you said you ranked Bama number one. I really feel like you could put it one A, one B. It doesn't really matter. They're both interchangeable um, because of what Bama did to Ole Miss this weekend. And I'm sorry for Ruby Dreyer. She was on the pod last week, and she she said that I have to bring it up. She said word for word, Bama <laughs> is not good, and they're very good. <laughs> they are very good. Michael, what did you think of Bama from this game? Yeah, they impressed me a lot. I mean, I was kind of basing it off of how they looked against Florida, which was not great. Um, and then Ruby was like, oh, they're not very good. And so I was like, hey, maybe Ole Miss can pull off the upset. Nick Saban still Nick Saban. Bama's still Bama. I mean, they just – they flat out dominated the lane train, which was kind of upsetting. Um, Coach of the year hopes kind of took a took a shot there, but it's okay. They'll bounce back. Um but yeah, they just all aspects of the game really like Ole Miss put 14 in the fourth quarter to make it look somewhat competitive. But I mean, they were outgained 451 to 291 in total yards. Um, it just it wasn't even close. And like you said, we're just on a collision course now for Bama, Georgia. Um, and unless there's a major slip up by one of these teams, which it'd have to be two major slip ups for Georgia at least that's what we're going to get. And I'm very excited for that. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, Hunter, what did you see out of this Bama team? And what, I mean, Michael was saying they scored 14 late. This game was a lot uh, more of a blowout than it looked like on paper. So what did you see out of this team? Yeah, it really wasn't close. And, you know, how many more popcorn jokes can you make about <laughs> Lane Kiffin pregame? But, um, you know, like Michael said, it's really, you know, it's Georgia and Bama. You know, this was like the weekend for Arkansas and Ole Miss, the two new up-and-comers in the SEC to maybe show that they're going to be some mainstays in the top ten and the the big boys put them back down in their place. You know, they – Nick Saban outcoached Lane Kiffin. Bryce Young outplayed Matt Corral. You know, Ole Miss was really, really struggling, which I, I think the over-under for this game was 80 at one time, which I'm fairly certain was the highest ever point total for two SEC teams in a game before. And, you know, for that Ole Miss offense to only come away with 21 points, 14 of which being garbage time, it was it was pretty surprising. But then when you really think about it, you know, it, it's Alabama. Was it really that surprising? Right. I And I, I think you mentioned it. Like, this Alabama defense was hearing all about how this Ole Miss offense was just this, this new offensive juggernaut. They put 49 points, I think it was, against Bama last year. So they've been they had been hearing all week how Ole Miss was going to do it again. Matt Corral's this Heisman up-and-comer, uh, and they had none of that. They tore Matt Corral and his Heisman dreams to shreds, to be honest. Like, it, it was Brian Robinson, I mean, four touchdowns from the man, like, just carried. Bryce Young looked good, too. He, he didn't have to win the game for Alabama because, luckily – their run game took it away, but um, that whole offense and defense, like 
both Georgia and Bama look like such complete teams uh, in all facets, facets of the game. So I, I think it's going to be hard for either team to lose before they possibly play each other in the uh, SEC championship game. And so with that, I'm going to start start to switch gears. And let me just paint a picture as before we get into this Florida-Kentucky uh, recap, because we have a Kentucky rider and a Florida rider with us here. So we go to Lexington, Kentucky. We see a top 10 Florida Gators team who's fresh off almost beating Alabama in the swamp. Uh, they're taking on an unranked yet unbeaten Kentucky Wildcat team. You know, Kentucky hasn't beaten Florida on its own home field since 1986 kickoff comes and goes a few Florida miscues and penalties later and Kentucky fans are storming the field as they beat the Gators at home for the first time in 35 years. Michael, I have a question for you to start. I mean, it seems like Florida is still false starting to this day, uh, but what went wrong? <laughs> I mean, what went right, I think is the real question. Like you said, false starts eight, I believe was the final count, eight false start penalties, 15 total penalties for 115 yards in that game. You can't win. You're not going to beat anyone like that. You're not going to beat Vanderbilt like that, giving up maybe Vanderbilt. You're not going to beat really anyone like that in, um, especially on the road. You're giving them literally a football field's worth of yards. And that's not a recipe to win. Mullen said after the game, they didn't, they didn't go to a silent count. It was the same snap count they've been using all year, um, which I do think, I definitely think had an effect. Um, yeah, I just don't know what you can say. I think that this was, and no offense to Hunter here, I think this was a lot more Florida losing than it was Kentucky winning. Now, respect to Kentucky, they looked good. You know, I think Will Levis played pretty well. The defense looked great. Um but Florida shot themselves in the foot over and over and over, and they still had a chance to win at the end, um, which just goes to show you, you take out even half of those penalties, and this is a different game. And I think possibly the worst part of it all was Mullen postgame, which I know we talked about a little bit before, but he just doesn't seem to take responsibility for things. Um, he didn't after the loss to LSU last year. He didn't after this game. And this is just kind of what Florida fans have come to expect. I mean, Mullen, every year it seems like there's one letdown loss and then you're going to lose to Georgia or you're going to lose to Bama in the SEC championship. Um, and they're just not at that Bama slash Georgia level. And some fans are starting to wonder if Mullen can ever get them there. Yeah. And and right now I, I think Mullen is – is safe. I don't think he's on the hot seat just yet. Cause I was talking yeah. to one of my friends who is a Florida fan and he was like, Mullen is good. And he has the ability to put this Florida team like in good positions, but I think he's about new year's six bowl good. And he might not, he just might not be playoff good. Like I, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's on the hot seat yet. I think those, those people are way too premature in that notion. Cause you're not going to find like, you're not just going to go out and hire a Nick Saban, you know, um, they don't grow on trees, very rare. So Mullen's a very good coach. Obviously he's a great um, football mind, but yeah, I think saying he's a new year six coach is definitely fair. He hasn't proven otherwise. So until he does, that's, that's his ceiling right now. Yeah. And now I, I go to Hunter here. Like, 
I mean, Michael mentioned it. Uh, Florida seemed to lo- lose this game more than Kentucky w- won it, but that, I feel like that's also discrediting what the Wildcats really accomplished. So what went right for Kentucky, and, and where does Kentucky go from here? Well, first, that was such a cool environment to be a part of. I think that's sort of been a knock on Kroger Field in the past is that the 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 noise it maybe it doesn't get as loud there as it does in some other sec stadiums and the student section doesn't always bring it but like they brought it on saturday like they they made that place held to, to play in for florida and again i i don't think what michael said was wrong florida definitely lost this game if you would have told me that will levis only had to complete seven passes and kentucky was going to win i would have told you you know you were crazy but i mean they they were able to establish the run they didn't turn the ball over too many times. They, you know, they, they took advantage of what Florida gave them. And, you know, a lot, obviously a lot of those penalties came in some pretty bad spots for UF and that, you know, maybe cost them some points, but you know, the, the block kick obviously is huge. Um, I personally, as soon as the block kick happened, as soon as the extra point was blocked, I was like, well, there you go. That's going to be what we're going to come back to at the end of this game. But, you know, and this has been a common theme with Mark Stoops the past couple of years now is that like UK is finally starting to win some of these games in the past. They would have found a way to lose that game. They would have found a way to lose to South Carolina a week before they would have maybe even found a way to lose that Chattanooga game. But, you know, it seems like the culture's finally starting to really show that it's a little different. They're, they're winning some of those games, like the, the two and 10 seasons, the three and nine seasons, those are done. You know, it, Kentucky can finally start to get a little bit of respect, I think. And, you know, now they've got another big test against LSU this weekend. But, um, you know, I think it's good for them to, you know, enjoy that win over Florida a little bit. Fans, that's that's a long time coming, seeing that in Lexington. Um, But, yeah, it it was it was it wasn't a complete performance, but obviously it was good enough. Yeah, I think both teams like that game was a pretty sloppy game. I think Kentucky. I might be wrong here, but there was a few, like, I think I heard uh, on the ESPN college football podcast that they maybe had only passed the 50 yard line, like twice in the second half or something like that. um, And on their offensive drives or something like that. So it's hard to believe that Kentucky came away with this game with a win in some aspects of the game. But like you were saying, like Florida shot themselves in the foot so much like and it just kept coming and it coming it like you would think like a good Florida team should be disciplined enough to to beat Kentucky um but yeah uh all credit to 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 Mark Stoops and, and getting that Kentucky team a win there because what he's been doing for the Wildcats has really fly, flown under the radar but uh he's a really good coach and I think that win might might have thrown his name into like a coach of the year kind of candidacy uh, if Kentucky continues to do well. Um, Cause I think now in front of him is pretty easily a, a nine win season possibility. Like you look at that schedule and you're like, they beat Florida. They have the capabilities to, to win a lot of the games that are left on their schedule. And it starts this upcoming week with LSU, which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, that's, that game, I I was very surprised that that Kentucky pulled that off, but I'm not complaining. Yeah, I I I appreciate Kentucky pulling that out for for my fandom here, but uh, my Michael not not as much. I, I it'll be okay. It'll be okay. But you know, I, I think mean, we gloss. 
Yeah, it will be okay. I'm not. I'm not a fan. You know, I'm a. I'm an objective journalist. I can stand up in my in my journalism career. I can keep them separate. I just focus all my sad fandom onto the Jaguars, and I'm good to go. Yeah, Uh, yeah, exactly. I think you know, we took a lot of time breaking down the big games of the week, but I think we glossed over one really important game. The biggest game of the, the week. biggest, the game of the century. Summer, the summer clash of the titans, as uh, as it has been called on this podcast. The Connecticut Huskies played the Vanderbilt Commodores this past weekend, and might I say, it was a damn good game. It, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. You know, it looked like Connecticut was going to come away with their first win in a really long time they scored with like two minutes to go to go ahead by one point it's 28 to 27 you know connecticut they're like feeling good they're like oh yeah we're finally going to get a win it's going to be over an sec team that sec team is vanderbilt but uh they're going to get a win and then vanderbilt pulls it together last minute drive drives down the field i thought we were going to get a college kicker situation but we didn't Vanderbilt's kicker nails the game-winning field goal, and Vanderbilt comes away with the victory. I I am just over the moon for Vanderbilt fans this week. I'm so happy for the Commodore faithful. You know, it was a tough game. It's Some are calling it no, an ugly game. I mean, Clark Lee himself called it an ugly win, but he said he'll take an ugly win any day knowing that they have a long way to go. They have two wins now. That's plural. You can add an S to the end of the word win. That's huge for them. Um, Like you said, it looked like UConn was going to win, but then Vandy pulled a Lee Corso. They said, not so fast, my friend. And they pulled it off and it was incredible. It made me me smile, which I needed. I I needed that. After like a super long day of lots of like great college football games, we got the primetime UConn bandy game. And I think that just encapsulated the weekend. I feel like it was a great game to end the night on. Although there was the Auburn LSU game that ended even later. Um, but still, Vanderbilt got a win. So congrats, Vanderbilt. Let's go. Clark Lee, you deserve the week off. Not really. <laughs> but um, yeah. Any other games this week that y'all thought were good? I, I mentioned Auburn LSU. That that seemed to be a really good win for for Auburn. Uh, Hunter, you say you're an Auburn fan. What did you think of Auburn's performance in, in Death Valley? So once once I finally got to get back from coverage for the uh, Kentucky game, I did catch a little bit of the second half. And I mean, the ghost of Johnny Manziel was inside of Bo Nix. Uh, that that's for sure. I that that original touchdown pass that started that whole nonsense was ridiculous. And, you know, he finally gets to get that big road win monkey off of his back that's, you know, been there since he's gotten to Auburn. And, like, so so much expectation with that team. And after all, like, the criticism he took over the week, you know, getting benched for Finley in the Georgia State game. And then Finley got to get in on that third drive. Fans were wondering. But, you know, like, he came back in and, like, he, he did the damn thing in the second half. Like, he, he got a good, hard win, which, you know, Obviously, he beat Alabama his freshman year, but getting a road win in Death Valley, even if this LSU team isn't 2019 LSU, you know, that's up there. I would say that's maybe the second biggest win of his career. You could even argue it's the biggest given the circumstances, and I'm sure what he was battling himself mentally. But um, it wasn't a pretty game. 
Coach O's got to be close to being gone out of Baton Rouge at this point. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what they bring to Kentucky this weekend. But yeah, I, I was happy to see Bo get a good win. Yeah, definitely. My, Michael, what did you take away from that game? And uh, Hunter mentioned it, but do you think Ed O is, is on the way out this season? He's definitely on the hot seat. Um, we talked last week with Ruby. We kind of, we, we kind of uh, poked fun at Bo Nix a lot. We, we were, we were trashing on him a good bit. Um, deservedly. So I think he got benched against Georgia state. (laughs) I think all Auburn fans would agree. Um, but credit to him for pulling this one out. He still wasn't good. Like he completed 52% of his passes. Um, but that's what you're getting in the Bo Nix experience. You know, it's sporadic. It's crazy. It sometimes works. Um, you know, Hunter said the ghost of Johnny Menzel. I think that's accurate. Um, yeah, it was a huge win for Auburn. And I do think Coach O is, I don't know if he's necessarily like one foot in the grave, but it's getting to that point. Um, especially they have a few tough games coming up, obviously Kentucky and then Florida back to back. So ask me again in like two weeks and we'll see from there, but the signs aren't promising. Yeah, I think LSU has a really tough schedule from here on out, and, and it does not look good for Ed O. So I I would have to say that he's probably on his way out just because I know that schedule is difficult and they're not going to walk away with that many wins um, just off the team they're showing. But, yeah, Bo Nix had some highlight plays. Uh, we we did trash on him a little bit last week, and and he, he at least got the win. Like he said, like he, Michael said, you know, whether he did it in, in a good way or not, um, he got the win on the road in Death Valley, which is a tough place to play. So really, really good stuff from Auburn there, setting up a top 25 matchup with Georgia uh, in Jordan-Hare uh, this upcoming Saturday. Uh, any other games that stood out to y'all this week, Hunter? Um, A&M losing to Mississippi State, yeah. you know, that that's pretty tough given the hype that this team had coming into this season, you know, you lose Haynes King early, which, you know, does suck. But from the, that Colorado game on, you could just kind of tell something wasn't right. And you thought maybe give Calzada a couple weeks to sort of figure it out. But, you know, what? At, at the SEC is no longer just a defense grind you out for four quarters kind of league. You got to score now. You know, you don't have to score a ton, but you got to score a little bit. And, you know, obviously Mike Leach's whole air raid thing hasn't totally worked out great, but I think uh, Will Rogers passed the ball 59 times on Saturday and uh, it was enough. So, you know, that, that's not great. And now A&M's got to turn around and uh, play Bama this week. So, you know, good luck to them. Certainly not easy sledding for A&M. And, and you know, this game against Mississippi State was one they should have won, but uh, – this offense this season has just not been there. Uh, and the defense has been and pretty, pretty decent. Like, I think it's a top 25 defense in the country. It's just that that offense is anemic and lots of problems over at AM. Michael, any other games this week that you saw that really impressed you? I mean, the weirdest game of the weekend, Tennessee just trounced Missouri I mean 683 total yards of offense they put up 62 they had 35 first downs 
Um, and this was after they looked not good against Florida. I did not, ex- I did not see this coming. Um, good for them. Good for the volunteers. I think this says more about Missouri and just how they're really, really bad than it does about Kentucky being a legit team, but Hey, you know what? Good for them. Yeah. I, I found it really surprising that Tennessee was able to hang that many points on Missouri. I looked at my phone checking scores after I finished covering the Georgia Arkansas game. And that one just like took me aback. Like I had to like take a breather and was like, that's not the real score. That's a typo. Missouri. I don't know what they're doing, man. Cause one week they're, they're hanging with Boston college. who's a really good offense. Also, although they lost to Clemson this past week, but um and then next they're getting beat by like 40 points by a Tennessee team in Josh Heupel's first year that they shouldn't get beat by like 40. That's just absurd. Absurd. It's mind boggling, but yeah, Tennessee really impressed me. Missouri was the least impressive team out of the sec this week for me. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, we had a really good week five slate and now we head into week six and looking to replicate that. I guess we start and look at one of the bigger games this week is Georgia Auburn. Um, Georgia opens as a 14 and a half point favorite on the road uh, at Jordan Hare. Uh, Hunter, let's start with you. Uh, Do you think Auburn has any chance to slow down Georgia and this incredible defense? I, I like, like we talked about earlier, Jordan Hare, tough place to play. Um, but given what Bo Nix had to do against Penn State and ultimately coming up short and what he had to do, the magic he had to pull against LSU, like you're going to have to at least double that, maybe even triple that for that Georgia front seven. Like I, I don't know how that O-line is going to be able to get Tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter going. And you know, like, like I said, Bo is going to have to make some like real, real magic happen because uh, another part about that Auburn team is there's, there's no a one receiver anymore. You know, Eli Stove and Seth Williams are gone and no one has really like separated themselves as like someone who they can rely on. Um, so, you know, they're going to, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to rely on Jordan Hare like a lot to, you know, try and keep them in the game. They've got to maybe punch them in the mouth early to, you know, have some sort of fight. But if, if they give up a couple touchdowns early in that first quarter, it, it could get ugly. Yeah, and, and Georgia's gotten off to these hot starts uh, in their last two games. I mean, they they've been outscoring opponents. I think it's uh, I think it's fifty six to nothing in the first quarter in their last two games, uh, playing against Vanderbilt one, which you kind of expect, but then against Arkansas, which you don't expect. Uh, right, that Arkansas defense. I don't think they allowed a point in the first quarter the whole yeah. year before that game. So. Yeah. They didn't, and and it really surprised me them getting off to that hot start against them because of that. But, Michael, do you think this Georgia offense is legit with Stetson at QB? Because there's been questions about when JT's coming back, and I don't think he's going to come back for the next few weeks. I don't think it matters. Uh, <laughs> like, he threw 11 times, like I said, against Arkansas, and they shut him out 137-0. Like, I don't think it matters who is at quarterback. Um I don't personally think Stetson's any good. I know you have some some feelings about him as well, that you don't, that you're not a huge fan of his. Um, but the defense is just playing too good. Like you said, besides 
if you take out the um, defensive touchdown against UAB, they've had more shutouts this year than touchdowns allowed. Like they've allowed one touchdown to South Carolina and that's it. And they've shut out two games. It's ridiculous. Um, the line is like you said, 14 or 15. I'm, I would, if I was a betting man, I'd be hammering Georgia. Like I don't see Auburn again, no offense to Auburn nation and no offense to Bo Nix, I guess maybe some offense to Bo Nix. I don't see them putting up more than seven or 10 in this game. Um, yeah. I don't think it matters. Who's that quarterback, honestly. The 14 and a half does feel pretty light, especially given what that uh, Arkansas line started out at, even though it was at uh, Sanford stadium. Yeah. I, I think, being on the road, it, it helps Auburn a little bit. And I think that's what it's accounting for. Uh, but I, I agree. I'm like 14 and a half with the Georgia defense. It, it feels very low because I, I think, you know, even if Georgia puts up 28 points, like three, three to four touchdowns, you, you think Auburn may only put up seven points. If any, like, it's hard to keep shutting out teams. That's it's not reasonable to expect them to keep shutting out teams. So I expect, Auburn to score some points this week but if they do it it'll be like seven or ten points I think in my mind um yeah I I do like I'm coming around to the idea of Stetson because I think JT is going to be out until possibly the Florida game because of his lat injury um I think it doesn't matter because he Georgia has made it very easy on him not having to win with his arm he can make plays with his arm but he doesn't have to win with his arm and if Stetson Bennett is required to make plays with his arm to win I think that's where it gets a little bit dicey for the Georgia offense um and that that'll be down the line closer towards SEC championship um but yeah this game I expect Georgia to roll again um but we'll see another really intriguing matchup is this rebound matchup between Arkansas and Ole Miss Uh, both teams coming off trouncing losses uh, Arkansas to Georgia uh, and Ole Miss to Alabama and Mississippi uh, opens up as a five and a half point favorite Uh, this game is in Oxford I believe which team bounces back Michael we'll start with you yeah um, I think Ole Miss bounces back better than Arkansas does. I think that Ole Miss at least was somewhat competitive in their game, although we already talked about the 14 points late. Um, maybe Lane Kiffin can use that as, hey, we just, you know, the, the clock ran out on us. We ran out of time, but we were, we were getting in motion. We were getting in rhythm. Um, it'll be really interesting to see which of these teams bounces back. I think, I mean, Ole Miss being a five-and-a-half-point favorite is a little surprising considering where the two teams are ranked. Um, I think this game will be really close. I think it'll be within a field goal. Um, Both these offenses can put up points in different ways. Arkansas's defense is much better than Ole Miss's. Um, Yeah, I think it'll be a really, really competitive game. I'll be really interested to see how Matt Corral bounces back after kind of struggling for the first time all year. That'll kind of be the main thing I'm watching for as someone who like kind of chose him um, like to be one of the top players in the SEC this year. Um, yeah, I, my gut says old miss, but it's close. Yeah. And Hunter, what do you, what do you see out of this matchup? Who do you think comes away with it? I, I kind of agree with Michael. I, you got to think Arkansas is just like really beat up. I mean, A&M and Georgia back to back is tough for anybody. 
I don't care how good coach you are. Like Sam Pittman and Barry Odom are going to have those guys ready to play like 100%. And those guys are going to be ready to play. But, you know, it's just kind of piling on top of each other. When you're playing in the SEC, it, you know, you don't get a break. Uh, so it, it just keeps going and it keeps going. And Ole Miss has a potent enough offense to where I think if they start out similarly to how Georgia started out and they're able to score kind of quick, you could maybe see like a little bit more deflation from Arkansas like they did on Saturday. But again, I wouldn't be surprised to see Arkansas stay competitive in, in this and win it. And, you know, maybe Ole Miss's offense falls flat again. I, I do also uh, want to see how Corral is going to bounce back, but I, I think it'll be a close game. But if I were to lean one side, I would go Mississippi. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, uh, I mean, looking at that Arkansas team, I think they're like a, a top 20 team. I I've, seeing what they can do obviously that georgia game there they were and this is the tough part of having to deal with the number the hardest schedule in the nation it's just that you have to come to play week in and week out and getting up to play those games is difficult like they they've had now this will be their third straight ranked matchup uh and that's just hard uh, like when you're Arkansas and you're trying to like build this program back from being really, really bad. It's hard to bring it like that every single game. I think they've been beat up. You know, I think um, that 37 to zero loss does not do a whole lot for their morale. Um, it it kind of hurts them, but also I, I do think, you know, the Ole Miss defense is not the Georgia defense. Arkansas will be able to score points against Ole Miss, but at the same time, I think, Ole Miss will try to reinvigorate its offense. Um, I think the, the defense that Arkansas presents, it's kind of harder to throw the ball, which is why Georgia relied more heavily on running the ball this past weekend against Arkansas. But so that, that might be a challenge for Matt Corral to get into like throwing, throwing well. Um, but I still think he, he bounces back. I I'm also leaning towards Ole Miss here. Uh, I think five and a half is around right. Uh, I could see like a uh, a 31 to 27 kind of game, I feel like, uh, if Arkansas is able to put up enough points um, to keep with them. But, yeah, this this is a really intriguing matchup as to who could finish now. I guess it's second in the SEC West because Texas A&M has fallen off. Uh, we don't really know that pecking order. So, uh a very intriguing matchup. And now for the matchup that we have Hunter on the show for Kentucky, LSU, Kentucky coming off a huge win as we discussed against Florida uh, have has another pretty huge home game against LSU. Uh, they open as a three and a half point favorite Hunter. What you thinking about this game? First, isn't that crazy saying Kentucky is a three and a half point favorite against LSU. Yeah. Even in Lexington, it, it, it's crazy. This is a prime letdown spot, and, you know, Kentucky football has done nothing but let down the past couple of decades. So I think this is, you know, how many times do you want to say this? Like, this is the game. This is the game for Stoops to really, like, prove something. But, you know, you, you got your marquee win this season. You're on pace to possibly control your own destiny you know, obviously going to Athens and even competing in that game is a tall task. But, you know, if you win this weekend, that's what's at stake. So I think Stoops is going to have the guys ready to play. You know, they're they're a little banged up. They're not going to have Josh Ali, uh, who is their number two wide receiver, and uh, Marquand McCall on defense. 
Um, but, you know, after this past weekend, BBN is going to be back out in full force. You know, they're, they're going to make that place loud again. They've got a real good opportunity. I think they are a better team than LSU. Um, so if they can, again, avoid the turnovers like they weren't able to the first few games of the season, if Levis can, you know, just stay on point, you get Chris Rodriguez going, you hit your big plays when you need them, and you don't turn the ball over, I, I think they win. Yeah. And, and Michael, seeing as you just watched Kentucky beat Florida, how do you see this Kentucky team in your mind, and, and do you see them bringing it again to win? I do. I think that, like Hunter said, it definitely is like the letdown spot. Um, like basically the textbook definition of it. You win a game that you probably shouldn't have emotions running high, big emotional game. And then you come right back with another big game. Um, yeah. It's like kind of a prime letdown spot. I don't think they will though. Um, they should be able to run all over this LSU defense. They've allowed 120 rushing yards a game. Uh, Chris Rodriguez should be able to just tear them up on the ground. Uh, and if that Kentucky defense that showed up against Florida shows up against LSU, uh, the three and a half point spread, like that's the easiest bet you could make is on Kentucky. Um, so yeah, I think that avoiding the turnovers on offense, like Hunter said, will be huge. Um, if Levis can just make smart decisions, I don't think they'll have to ask him to win the game. I think their defense and their running game should do that. So if he can just avoid the big turnover and the big mistakes, um, Kentucky should win by at least a touchdown, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, Kentucky, as I've, I've said, I've alluded to it so many times, Kentucky's been my dark horse SEC East team for since the preseason. And I, I feel a little bit more validated after this past week. But um, I think it's very, very possible that this is a letdown spot. Uh, like everybody's been mentioning, like you, you, your emotions are running high. You're ranked in the top 25. Like you have all of these crazy variables that maybe Kentucky's not used to uh, being five and oh, like heading into a game with LSU at home where they could clinch bowl eligibility in six games, like crazy stuff heading in. Like they, if they win this game, they'll be setting up possibly an undefeated matchup with Georgia. They should be setting up barring what happens in, in Auburn. But, um, you know, I think that Kentucky is the better team, but I see LSU giving Kentucky some fits because I think Ed O is going to be coaching for his life. Like we said, like there's not many wins left on the schedule that are easy for LSU. Like there's, there's, it's slim pickings. And this is a game that Ed O has to have, uh, if he wants to keep the job in Baton Rouge. Um, and so, I, I think three and a half is, is because of that. I think it's, you know, Kentucky is a good team, but I think LSU is, is scrappy. They're going to fight for this game. Um, and I would not be surprised if we see LSU take this game from Kentucky. Um, but Kentucky, in my mind, is the better team, should win. Uh, any other games this week, Michael, that you see as potentially good or – just interesting to watch. I mean, I want to see how Tennessee comes out again. Like they've had a very bad game and then possibly the best game they've played in years, back-to-back weeks. So which which Tennessee team are we getting against South Carolina? They open as 10 and a half point favorites um, over the Gamecocks. 
And if the team that showed up against Missouri shows up, they'll win by 30. If the team that shows up against Florida, they might lose in overtime. Like, I have no idea what to expect. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, that's definitely the game out of the rest that I have my eye on. I guess you could say Bama A&M, but that has a lot less, um, just kind of a lot less spark around it than it did coming into the season. So yeah, Tennessee, South Carolina, because I don't know who the volunteers are anymore at this point. Yeah, it's it's a really big Jekyll and Hyde situation going there, you know, and Tennessee has their first blackout game, uh, I think ever, because I don't think they've it's ever worn blackout. Yeah, those jerseys, I I really I really like them. Although they're they're kind of stealing. I, I don't want to be like Georgia made black jerseys cool, but you know Georgia's black jerseys are cool. Um, but Tennessee's are really good too. Um, and that that'll be a crazy atmosphere in Knoxville because I think you know Tennessee and South Carolina are both in those like bottom tier SEC trying to work their way out of it. They're trying to be the Arkansas in coming years. Like they're trying to make their resurgence known. And I think this is a good game to gauge who is on a better track out of the first year head coaches, Shane Beamer or Josh Heupel. Um, Hunter, what, what do you see this week uh, that are possibly good games? Well, uh, other than what we've already mentioned, it is a little lighter slate in the SEC. I guess, you know, how does AM respond? Are, are they going to be able to even, like, can, can Jimbo – show that he can still coach with Saban a little bit, given his team's a little banged up and they're coming off of a pretty bad loss. Uh, Bama's a 17 and a half point favorite, but you know, it's in college station. Like the 12th man is a thing. Kyle Field's not an easy place to play at. So, uh, and I'm fairly certain Haynes King is still not back. Correct. Uh, Uh, I don't believe so. Yeah. So, you know, can Calzada like maybe work up a little bit of magic? Can they get the run game going? I mean, it's going to be tough, and I don't see him doing it. But um, given, you know, what we've got to work with in the SEC this week, you know, I I think it's an 8 o'clock CBS game. I think that's like the lone SEC late primetime one of those they do every year. So, uh, you know, we'll see if they're able to give Bama a run for their money. Yeah, and I just looked up the line here. It's 17 and a half for Alabama. And I I have a hard time believing Texas A&M is going to – stick with them through maybe even a quarter uh it's that offense like i said it's not going to be able to keep up with bama because even if texas a&m has a good defense which it's it's shown to have alabama is going to find a way to score um and texas a&m has no answer to that so yeah like i like you said you know zach calzada being able to find some magic if there is any i don't think there is but you know Texas A&M really needs to work something up to to possibly uh, keep it close and not even to pull an upset to keep it close. So um, we'll be interesting to see. And, and like you said, yeah, this this week's slate doesn't seem as as heavy as, as last week. But although it's been a crazy college football season we're we're now entering the halfway point and we've seen a lot of upsets. So maybe we'll see some more this week. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's all we got this week hunter thanks for joining us tell the people where they can find you i appreciate it guys uh you can find me at hunter ws11 on twitter uh that's where i'm the most active and at uh ky colonel at ky colonel sports um the the colonel's awesome you know if you know it's good student journalism which who doesn't love good student journalism uh so yeah that's that's where everyone can find me yeah we love good student journalism it's it's 
we're real journalists here and, and we're working our way to get to those professional careers. And, and, you know, I'm joined as always by my great Florida co-host, Michael Hull. Michael, tell the people where you can, they can find you. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at Michael underscore Hull. 33 uh, make sure to follow the alligator on twitter and alligator sports we cover all florida sports which no other publications really doing um you know women's basketball volleyball whatever you name it we've got it we just broke a big story um the other week about a um kind of uh abuse within the women's basketball program and the former head coach cam newbauer that was a huge story that the writer Zach Huber has been working on for months. He started when I was sports editor in the summer, that story came to us and it just got published last week. It got picked up by a few national, um, a few national organizations. ESPN ran a story on it, like outside the lines, um, which just goes to show what student journalism does. You know, we're kind of like, we're the troops on the ground, so to speak, because we're the ones on campus um, so yeah, support student journalism. Follow me on Twitter if you want uh, me joking through my humor, tweeting out some Nick Castellanos jokes because I've been doing that lately. Um, just joking through the pain of being a Jaguars fan. That's basically what I do on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and and Michael is a great follow on Twitter because of that because it's been it's been a, a real crazy weekend for him with his sports fandoms and, and sports covering. But yeah, you can follow me at Jack Duffy on Twitter. I am the Atlanta version of Michael's Twitter. I, I tweet all about the Falcons, uh, which once again did not deliver, um, but that's not new. And then, you know, some Braves content. They, they start their NLDS matchup with the Brewers this week, which I will probably be having heart pains through. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jack Duffy. Uh, I write for the red and black. So follow the red and black, follow red and black sports. Uh, we cover like the alligator and like probably the Kentucky Colonel as well. We fought, we cover every single sport at Georgia, uh, unlike a lot of publications. And, and so we got some good coverage uh, coming up. I, uh, I will be covering the eventual Georgia Kentucky game, which I'm excited for. Um, so yeah, go give the red and black a follow and read some of my stuff, read some of the, other writers stuff and follow student media at student media 25 on uh, Twitter. Like we said, great organization that Patrick Feltz has put together um, that has really helped showcase what student journalism can be uh, and what kind of community student journalists across this nation have. So with that, I think we're going to wrap things up here. Make sure you follow student section and come back next week when we, we talk SEC football again. All right. See y'all.